The Block Talk podcast started because of my passion for the property management industry. I wanted to start a conversation and add some value within the industry with a diverse range of people and professionals who can add something extra. As we start out, my aim is that the podcast offers some useful insight into a variety of views, opinions, thoughts, and foresights from our guests who include business leaders and industry experts. If you enjoy the podcast and want to find out any other information, head on over to brianwelsh.co.uk. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Block Talk Podcast with me, Brian Welsh, and Jax Bruce. Jax, how are you? I am absolutely amazing. My laptop is now changed. Oh, wow, great. So it's not gonna, no we're, we're not going to hear it taking off, off during the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no washing machine sounds, nothing. So um, it's nice and quiet. So I am over the moon. I said to Will, the IT director on Tuesday, I will be skipping into the office <laughs> simple simple minds are easily amused i think yeah how are you doing i'm all right except um i might we might have a an additional kind of bit of chatting the dog is uh arthur's not overly happy because he didn't get his it's what just past one o'clock he didn't get his lunchtime walk so uh because uh, it was uh, chucking it down, and I'm like, mm, yeah, I don't think so. We'll wait. And actually, <laughs> some, the sun's shining now, so after this, we'll be heading out. But he, he may, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he seems all right at the moment, but he may get a bit, a bit yappy later on during this. Okay, so today we are delighted to be chatting to Amy Konechi, Head of Client Relationships at Indigo Swan. Amy looks after the energy con- contract enthusiasts, ensuring they're providing great Um, advice to their clients and for Amy those clients are primarily property management companies hence why she's on. Um, She offers daily support and guidance so they can enjoy coming into the nest every day. Amy has a degree in environmental sciences and has worked in the energy industry since graduating. She joined Indigo Swan in 2015. Hi Amy, we've met a couple of times, thanks very much for coming on. How are you doing today? Hi Brian, hi Jax. I'm doing really well in sunny Norwich. Thank you ever so much. No rain down here, just to make you jealous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I keep, I keep, um, I keep noticing that the uh, north of the north of the border um, tends to be getting some pretty rubbish weather. Well, everyone's all right. <laughs> Absolutely. Good. Well, thanks for coming on. So the nest. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so the nest is what we call our lovely central Norwich office. Okay. You have to get all of these swan puns in when you've got a name like Indigo Swan. So yeah. we're based in the heart of Norwich, which is a lovely, um, relatively small market city, I guess, in Norfolk. And um, we've got customers all over the UK, uh, especially property managers up in Scotland. We are a energy consultancy, otherwise known as a third-party intermediary, a TPI, or uh, more conventionally, a broker. So we okay. are helping customers with electricity and gas contracts, but our focus is on providing great customer service. Um, nice. We focus on electricity, gas, sustainability, and all done with our lovely team of 26 swans. Fabulous, fabulous. So talking about swans, you've been with Indigo Swan for seven years now, if I can count correctly. Yeah. Um, what, what changes have you seen across the industry um, and the property management industry as well in terms of energy? Yeah. So most recently, I would say the price volatility and sensitivity in the market has been the 
biggest change I've seen. So I've been I've been at Indigo Swan seven years, but um, you know since graduating. So where are we at? What's that? Twelve years or so ago? I've been in energy industry. But yes, since COVID, since the height of the pandemic, when we saw absolutely rock bottom prices to the start of 2022, where we've seen higher than ever prices, that volatility has just been so unforeseen and never experienced before. And I think that's Mm -hmm. been a major change is the sensitivity of wholesale prices to the global situation. It's always been there, but I don't think we've ever really seen it like we have recently. Um, specifically around like contracts in my seven years here we've had such a push towards green contracts so customers actively seeking a more sustainable more renewable electricity procurement option Um, and I think that's a great thing so when I started you used to have to pay quite a high premium if you wanted a green contract there wasn't a lot of choice you had to pay a lot more the suppliers went as into it Um, but now I would say over 70% of the suppliers that we work with offer green as standard. So they are offering their customers renewable contracts just as normal um, without any extra cost, which is fantastic. Um, Specifically for property managers, I think so our customers in property management firms have got a much better understanding of energy now they know when their bills are missing they understand how to how to update VAT for for residents they they get it um and I think that education piece over the last seven years has been something I have worked on uh Indigo Swan has worked on but I think the property managers themselves have really embraced Mm -hmm. it's not something just to be ignored anymore it's something that has to be given suitable attention sure um and i think we've got you, you know lots of companies as well pushing for green um but also in property management really pushing for smart meters um yeah. and i think that's going to be something that that we've started to see the rollout now across the industry across property management firms which is great yeah. but then i think there is still more to be done there as well okay okay that sounds that sounds as if it's been quite busy over all of that <laughs> that period of time i guess i mean i was just thinking about this when you were saying that and, and you know you we we have a lot of mutual clients mm-hmm. and, and one of the biggest challenges for for our clients was you know if you've got i don't know a thousand develop or a thousand developments then there's a um, that have a common a common supply, then there's a thousand invoices you need to post every quarter. Mm. So we have a, I think a lot of our our mutual clients have an integration piece where um, they can just upload the stuff from your systems as well, which I think has been massively beneficial to um, to to our clients. Um, uh, you know, from um, from working with you guys as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, what changes do you see happening over the next seven years? Then, within within your industry or certainly how your industry supplies and and, and talks to the property management industry Mm -hmm. so specifically i think the relationship between energy consultants and property management firms is going to come down to good rollouts of smart meters Um, i do think property managers need to embrace smart meters i think we need to be communicating to residents the positive 
elements of smart meters and you know with some of the really complex portfolios that are spread across wide geographical areas taking meter readings is near on impossible so then relying on residents to provide their own meter readings we all know the challenges that come with that uh accuracy and you know timeliness and you know just general willingness to to support the factors and property management firms in doing that So I think smart meters is going to have some real positive outcome for property management firms and their residents as a consequence. Um, I also think that we're going to see, we're already seeing some of our customers, property management firms, looking for solar PV uh, panels to be installed. Um, They want electric vehicle charge points to be installed. So I think property management is really going to embrace technological advances over the next kind of 7, 10, 15 years, however long, because it's for the interest of the building and the fabric of the building. And, you know, having all of these things, the residents may come and go, but the actual building needs to become more sustainable through the use of solar PV. You know, you've got more projects hooking up of district heating, communal heating. So a single gas meter coming into a, a, a block of flats and then you're measuring the heat put heat output into every flat unit and that's how you're getting charged that's really sustainable that's much better than individual gas suppliers all all the time um so i I think yeah real technological advancements is really going to be what what property management um sees over the next seven ish years (laughs) okay okay yeah no that is interesting we interviewed we we had someone on the podcast uh a number of months ago in fact right at the beginning uh, Mm -hmm. on the principles of one of our clients and 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 he was talking about you know that whole um, solar panel stuff and 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 electric charging points. I mean, uh, we and he and I um, had a conversation on that. It was Derek McDonald and Newton actually. And he yeah. and I had a conversation um, about the fact that now I've actually moved house now. But at that time when we did the when we did the um, um, the chat, there wasn't one publicly available car charging point in the area that my parking permit covers <laughs> and, and now it's we're ridiculous. talking about we're talking about the west end of glasgow here and we're talking just into the west end and it's utterly crazy now to be fair they did fit to um just after i um just after or just as i was moving um but i now have an electric hybrid um mm-hmm. and i can and i'm about i don't know 20 miles now i live outside glasgow now and i'm about 20 20 miles maybe from um from the office and i can actually get to the office and back on one charge it's fantastic isn't it it, yeah it is in fact i've had a full tank of fuel in my in my car for about for about a month and okay holiday but and i've never had to use it so you know and that's just one thing that i can see the 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 you know the 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 power of that sustainability but and and actually i've i've thought about having solar panels i have a house down um on on the isle of white and mm-hmm. and i just a week at a um, um, holiday place and um and I, i've seriously thought about putting solar panels on the top of that and i've had people out to look at it and you know even just individual houses you know the the benefits to that could be could be enormous yeah, yeah absolutely so we we at the beginning of this year actually had solar panels installed on our own house um right. i recently had my own EV charge point installed in anticipation, yep. we hope, of the delivery of my new car in July. Um, yeah. And, and the, 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 my rationale for that was if I'm going to get a new car, I want to have the lowest running cost possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And seeing what was happening with power prices, I really wanted to protect myself from higher power prices, higher fuel prices. So going down the joint solar panel um, EV vehicle route really kind of works well for us. Um, But I appreciate it's just such a hard decision to make at the moment with, Mm -hmm. you know, all the challenges that that people are facing, cost of living. If there Mm -hmm. is anything that people can do to reduce their consumption, that's the first place to start. And then all this sustainability thing just is a nice kind of next step almost. Um, So, yeah, yeah. but get it on your house in the Isle of Wight. Definitely, Brian. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, do you know, I have had someone come out and have a look at it, and, and they, they reckon that even the, I mean, I think he came out in April, beginning of April, I think, end of March, beginning of April, and even at that time of year, the sun hit both, and it, it's it's south-facing the house, um, yeah. but even the north-facing back elevation got sun in at the end of March. And I'm like, so he said, he said you could put it on both sides. So I, I'm really interested in this sort of stuff, and I've actually thought about putting it in up here as well but I'm, yeah. I'm not so convinced about Scotland <laughs> and solar although every new house if you drive down the M77 um, from where I stay into the centre of tap and um, sorry excuse me the dog is uh, demanding to get out of my office I don't quite know where he's off to but anyway he's off out um, <laughs> when you drive down the M77 all of the new houses have some sort of solar on them yeah, that may only be a couple of panels, but but they but they all have something. So it's just enough to to take the edge off high bills, isn't it? Yeah, it's ju- just yeah. enough to if you can run your washing machine, run your dishwasher, um, you know, do anything like that, just um, for free essentially yeah, in the yeah. daytime. Why not? I mean, it's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, no, it is. It is. Okay, so um, what do you believe are the main challenges? challenges facing the renewable energy industry over the next few years Mm -hmm. so there really is one major challenge and that is connectivity to the grid so the actual network infrastructure running up and down the country is aging um historically maybe it's been lacking in investment it's just not geared up for intermittent generation from wind power from solar power from um, you know offshore onshore and all of that kind of thing and the costs associated with that are really really high so in Norfolk for example there's a consultation going through at the moment to put a new um, transmission line so transmission networks are essentially the motorways of of the uh, electricity network and um, distribution networks of the a roads so there's lots more distribution network but the actual major infrastructure is the motorway the transmission network Um, there's going to be a new transmission line from center of norfolk down to tilbury and essex to bring all of the offshore wind um turbines allowing them to be connected to the network norfolk's infrastructure at the moment isn't capable of doing that so there's this um, consultation to to add it in the controversy comes from that the national grid wants these networks to be over land and the local neighbors want it to be underground or offshore um but the cost of undergrounding cables, significant transmission assets is huge. Like, you know, I I haven't got the numbers to hand, but it's significantly more. So we know we have to improve connectivity. We know we have to improve grid resilience um, to make sure that 
we can green our electricity network. We want solar panels. We want offshore wind. We want all of this stuff to have a really healthy generation mix. Yeah. But actually, how do we get it into the network without bankrupting ourselves? Um, and then having that reliance on, on intermittent generation makes electricity expensive. So you always have to have gas assets in reserve for when the sun isn't shining when yeah. the wind isn't blowing. You know, yeah. there are days where we have to just rely on gas. So you've still got to have that in the network mix as well. Right. Um, and it all just comes down to, to connectivity. It comes down to how do we actually link all of these significant projects into our aging, old infrastructure? Because it wasn't built for this. It was built to have, like, a, a decentralized um sorry it's built to have these significant power stations gas power stations nuclear power stations dotted around the country and wires connecting it all up what we're seeing now is these smaller projects that uh -huh. are distributed generation so they're embedded in local networks and how do you get that power out how yeah. do you get that power that's generated in scotland for example down to where all the users are in central london yeah. You know, how, how do we do that? Um, and the costs associated with that, the physical infrastructure. Yeah, it's just it's going to be something that <laughs> I don't think we've got an immediate answer for, but it is going to be a real challenge. Um, it is a challenge now and it's definitely going to be a challenge for at least another 15, 20 years, I expect. OK, do you know something? I, I had never even thought about it. I'd never, <laughs> I never, you know, because at the end of the day, I have I mean, I I pass. Um, a, um, a smallish wind farm on the way to um, on the way to work, and, and mm -hmm. Whiteley, White, I think it's called Whiteley Wind Farm. I think mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not sure. It's is quite a big um, wind farm, kind of south of Glasgow. I may have got that wrong. Actually, it might be called something else. But anyway, so there is a very large one there, yeah. and I kind of just figured that you know there's an electricity there's electricity here, so there must be a cable somewhere, so they just tap into it, but but, yeah. but obviously not. Wow, okay. No, so, so yeah, so also up in Scotland, if you think about um, a Scottish landscape, yep. it's very challenging, beautiful, yep. absolutely yep. stunning. I, lo I love Scotland, especially the Highlands, but it's challenging. If you're building a wind farm up there, the costs of getting the power, even just from a coastal area into Glasgow, into Edinburgh, into other major cities, the cost of getting it where the power is actually needed is really, really expensive. So, okay. you know, and, phys and, and, and technologically, physically challenging, yeah. you know, trying to lay these cables and, and get power where it needs to get to without incurring losses and, and all of this other kind of technical stuff. Um, but it is a really significant issue. Uh, it's not just a case of plugging it into a, a socket like we maybe expect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have to say, I mean, you know, you just, you just, I guess, you know, from a from an internet, let's let's compare it to the to a cabled internet. You mm -hmm. know, you you know, you can get that anywhere in the UK, and there's got to be cables or running, you know, the, the length of the country to provide that connectivity. So I, I guess I just thought it was the same with electricity, but but obviously not. It's very much um, decentralized to the kind of local areas. Yeah, it's a, so every every region has got its own local uh, distribution network okay. that are all linked up together but each region is managed by a, a, a different company and in southern scotland it's scottish power distribution in uh, northern scotland it's scottish hydroelectric distribution so right. they're responsible for all these like 
A roads, the distribution network, they're physically linked, yes, but each of them has their own costs associated with managing yeah. the network in that area. Sure. You know, how many customers are in that area? How much generation yes. is in that area? Um, and so, every, yeah, every area in the, in the UK has these different kind of links. Um, right. And Scotland has some of the highest distribution charges um, because you've got fewer customers and yeah. longer distances to run yeah run your power and get everything matched up um, right. so, and that's just one element of the bill that has to be taken into account yeah. so if we can get better connectivity and we can get the right placement of the right generation in the right area those distribution costs should come down but yeah. it's such a fine balance to try and get everything kind of aligned and, and it's, I don't think there's any right answer unfortunately <laughs> Yeah, no, it sounds like a pretty big challenge. Okay, so I know we've touched on prices um, and price hikes and things like that already, but have the recent price hikes had an effect on your business specifically? Yeah, they, they have. And, and it's mainly been around our customers are really worried. Our yeah. customers are really worried about what's going to happen to their bills, what's going to happen to their businesses, how are they going to get through this really challenging time? So our the main effect on us really has been how do we support them how do we offer that reassurance how do we protect them as best we can by doing nice early tenders you know or advising whether to go out of contract if that's you know financially the right choice for them really just offering some support and some compassion and some empathy um, because we know how difficult it is but then also that volatility has resulted in suppliers being unable to price so yeah. if we can't even get contract options, we can't do anything to protect our customers. So having contracts pulled after they've been signed, but before, before they've been secured by the supplier, that's really hard to kind of explain to people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that volatility and, and suppliers are also just really nervous around credit of customers uh, and okay. asking for security deposits where they wouldn't have done before, uh, applying uplifts, premiums into prices that they present. They are pulling offers when they've reviewed accounts. Um, and this is happening with more frequency than we've, we've ever really seen. So it's been quite a challenging time. Um, mm. I feel like we're gradually coming out the other side, maybe. Okay. I hope that's not presumptuous of me to say, but um, we're starting to see it more extended periods of stability in, okay. in the markets and suppliers are, are doing doing well supporting that that need as well so that's good okay now i i guess that you know when something happens there is that initial it's like well, COVID. you know this mm. initial period of you know um i guess unknown and uncertainty but but then as you know you've got to live with it it's here you've got to do something yeah. you know you and you've got you've got to then find a way to work on it i was chatting to my, my neighbor who works for a runs a construction company mm -hmm. and i was i just happened to be talking to him about timber because i'm having some work done at the house down south and he said that he cannot get a price for timber that's yeah. held for more than four or five hours yeah because they just don't know you know they they, they, they have the ability just get, you know used to get quotes that say and your quote is valid for 30 days yeah i get quotes that are saying your quote is valid for one hour yes. you know and, and okay this was a number of months ago so i you know it might be might be different now but you know it's just that that initial thing that happens where there is uncertainty but you've 
just got to find a way to work through it. I guess that's just business. You've got to, you've got to find that way to do it, don't you? Yeah, you just have to be adaptable and you just yeah. have to have good relationships. So yeah. we pride ourselves on relationships with our customers yeah. and with our suppliers. So having that really high quality dialogue, you know how long your prices are valid for. Yeah. You yeah. know that your account manager is going to go above and beyond to, to deliver something for you, yeah. which is ultimately in the interest of the customer. So it's it's hard, but we're, we're getting through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. That's really interesting. Um, so is there a project that's interested you most across your career? Mm. I'm going to be a little bit controversial here and actually say the building of Hinkley Point C, the right, new nuclear okay. power station down down in Somerset. Um, granted, it is behind schedule. It is over budget. But new nuclear power, in my opinion, is vital for energy security in the UK. Right, um, okay. And it's really disappointing that, um, you know, we moved away from... For, we moved away from nuclear for such a long time rightly so you know I'm, you know it's got to be managed safely it's got to be secure we've got to think about you know future generations and everything like that but then for energy security base load power nuclear once it's on it's on and it and it works and it provides yeah. about 20 percent of our of our day-to-day -day electricity needs as it is um hinkley point c started its construction in 2016 um it is <laughs> very much delayed very much over budget uh, it's now due to be finished in june 2026 it's costing wow. about 22 23 billion pounds so significant um you know resource which is being partly funded by edf the the supplier but also the the french national um national supplier edf is electricity yep, de france yep, yep, yep. but it's also being supported by um, various chinese investors as well now okay. controversially I, I i'm i'm not that comfortable with that kind of funding mix for uk generation assets yeah. but if nobody's going to step in to make sure we've got enough power somebody has to pay that bill so yep. an investor has gone in um, Hinkley is once it's up and running, it's going to provide about seven percent of the entire of the UK's power generation needs. Um, it'll be providing power for about five million households from one power station. And over the lifespan of, of um, the build and you know everything else going on there, it's, it's employed twenty five thousand people. So from a local economy perspective, it's it's really strong as well. I was actually fortunate enough pre COVID to have a tour of Hinkley Point C whilst it's being constructed and the scale of the challenge and the physically massive site is insane you have to get a bus to get around the site wow. and you, you, you know as well as like all the security and, and everything else but you can't walk from site to site because it is just so vast you you just couldn't do it um you know so i was really fortunate to be able to have a tour of that and that really it really um really sparked the energy geek in me i'm such a geek and i and i got to go and see the um the, the control um control system at hinkley point b as well which is still uh, in operation and uh yeah it was just it it was just everything i needed it to be from a an energy geek perspective just going oh my god this is amazing so much generation i just i just find that kind of thing absolutely fascinating and um it would have been nice if it had been uh, finished by now because i mean conversations yeah. have been going ongoing there since i think 2007 if not before right, which is okay. kind of when i entered the industry but yeah fascinating 
No, it does sound very, it does sound very fascinating. I do take your point, and I, and, the, and you say it's controversial, but you know, at the end of the day, right at this precise moment in time, a big part of our challenge is because of the majority of our power is, or a lot of our power is provided mm. <coughs> externally from the UK. Um, you know, and and you know, and and if relationships break down with 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 countries that are then in charge of your, or even if it's only seven percent, I mean that's yeah. a pretty high number, seven percent of your your electricity network, then you know that that's not a good thing. Yeah, so I can exactly. I absolutely understand yeah. your point. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the project itself uh, is is good. You know, we've got Sizewell C in in Southwell. Yeah. In, in Suffolk, near, near where I live, um, which is hopefully going to be starting soon. But, but yeah, th this particular project, I think it's a shame there hasn't been more UK investment. Yeah. Uh, but the government always said it was going to it was going to only allow nuclear without subsidy. Um, I'm not sure that was the right choice at the time. But we are where we are. It's good to have yeah. the asset coming. Um, yeah. But maybe we need to look at that for future investment. Yeah, yeah. No, fair point, fair point. Um, <clears throat> so what has been your biggest success so far at Indigo Swan? So I I, I kind of struggled a little bit to think of something for this, but you've already touched on it, Brian, which I'm pleased to hear. It was actually um, something we implemented for property management firms, which was an approach to bulk tendering. And yep. it was the way in which we developed a solution for aligning contract end dates having fewer number of suppliers but really providing value to property management firms and then obviously residents so yep. by pooling everything together and um, creating like almost a property management or property manager's own little mini basket type thing so uh -huh. each company has its own tender but we can tender a thousand two thousand three thousand meters at a time Right. So it makes decision making much quicker. It makes admin much quicker. It makes the time burden for property management firms much, much lower. And then as a consequence, you've already mentioned our, our mutual client where we worked with you guys on your system to be able to upload invoices because mm. historically that has been. Well, I'm trying to think of a word that isn't rude. Um it was okay, an you can, you can mess. swear on it. <laughs> you can swear on it. It was an absolute mess. Yeah, a lot yeah. of a lot of property management firms were in quite a bit of a pickle. Um, yeah. So having a solution where we could help, yeah. property managers could understand, and you guys could develop the software was mm -hmm. just phenomenal. And yeah. you know, I think now that it's proven to work and it's proven to be successful i think it's going to start becoming the model that property management firms use going forward and yeah. that's only a good thing because it just makes life for all parties that much easier yeah. so yeah I, I was really pleased to be involved in the rollout of that and from the tendering side developing the spreadsheets that we use all of that kind of thing and really working on the customer relationships to get them to understand the value of it yeah. And then, of course, Brian, getting to meet you at various <laughs> conferences and things over the years. You know, that's always been a highlight. It's been quite successful. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think I think that's that's the biggest success for me. Yeah. No, it, you know, it, it is. And, and you know, the, I always remember years ago, um, I, I had a, had a this, this is a, I'm completely going um, um, a wee bit off, off topic here, <laughs> but I had a client. Okay, so we sorry we had a we had a supplier. Okay, so I, I worked for a, a legal software firm before I, I st well still do work in legal, but but this is pre me being on um, um, being in business myself. And I remember sitting down with 
um, this supplier. And they supplied VoIP phone systems right mm-hmm. at the beginning of VoIP phone systems being, being coming out there. And, you know, these were still working over, you know, fiber didn't exist and, and broadband didn't exist in these days. And, and this guy came in and he's like, I'd like you to recommend um, our, our product. And um, um, and and I said to him, but we've got your product and two of our clients already. It doesn't work very well. Um, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, but I'd like you to recommend it and I'll give you a cut. And I'm like, I, I, I'm not interested in recommending and I'm not interested in taking a cut. Mm-hmm. And this guy was just absolutely kind of gobsmacked that I was refusing to, or I was pu- pushing back on making a bit of money. And, you know, we we. We do a lot within, so we, we supply, CPL supplies a huge amount of clients in, 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 in software, especially in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And we, we, are, we put in or talk to them about a core number of kind of other people that we've met in the industry. Now, we don't take a cut out of that. You know, we don't take any yeah. referral fees for that. Um, and you don't need guys to even ask us to do it. But we, when, if we're ever speaking to someone who's, who's, um, who doesn't use your guys, we're absolutely happy to do that because Thank of you. the successful implementation yeah. of these solutions that we've had over the kind of last, you know, last three or four years. You know, and, it is, yeah. and, it, and it, you know, it's it makes our life easy. Yeah, um, it, it because because we're we're well, okay, maybe it doesn't make our our life easier, but it makes our clients' lives easier because we're bringing to them a solution that's going to save them posting. Um, a thousand plus invoices a quarter. Now, I mean, we did a we did a calculation on this the other day, or one of our clients did, and they reckon that the the time taken to process a single invoice is somewhere between two minutes and five minutes. Right mm-hmm. now, yeah. that's because it's not just a case of posting it. You've then got to attach the invoice so that yeah. your their client can see the invoice and all of these sort of things. Whereas that solution that's in place kind of takes that all out the window. So that's a huge amount yeah. of saving for, you know, for our mutual clients over yeah. over over a year. You know, yeah, it really is. I remember I remember one instance where I went up to uh, one of our. our uh dear scottish customers and um the lovely lady in in finance so i won't mention any names because she'll probably be embarrassed um but the lovely lady in finance the first time we met her she was hiding behind reams of paper bills yeah literally boxes of bills that that the poor postie i don't know how he delivered it without hurting his back but they basically just arrived in you know um in in the paper boxes that you'd put in your printer it's just ridiculous and it would take her days if not a full week to to run through everything and through the systems that we implemented and you know the, the 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 um rpm system that you guys developed and you know really worked on to to make uh, valuable for for property managers. I think she's down to about um, a couple of hours, half yeah, a day yeah. tops. Yeah, yeah. That's just huge, and it just you know, and and also it's less wasteful. Yeah, because you yeah. don't have paper yeah. boxes and boxes of paper that you can't do anything with except for shred. You scan yeah. it in, you shred it, and then and then what? Like, it's just waste, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas actually moving to e billing, moving to to spreadsheets, moving to PDFs, having bulk uploads. Oh, it's just it's been fantastic it really has yeah no no i totally agree i totally agree as saving and you know the way i look at it as well is that you know the the that that then gives our our mutual clients um they save time which gives them time to spend on 
other things to yeah. make their set the service that they provide their client better yeah you know? definitely. So, yeah, it's a win-win everywhere so definitely. Yeah. well except maybe from the uh, paper manufacturers in the world <laughs> but anyway we'll not go there we'll not go it's there. a different podcast Brian. yeah yes, <laughs> um so um so yeah okay that's that's all the questions i have Jax has our standard three questions at the end of the podcast that we ever do <laughs> so if and, and she has a new laptop so you don't need to listen to her what sounds like her drying her hair when she's doing it. so uh, so Jax, do you want to fire up yep so amy this is our final three quirky questions and um, what's your biggest failure across your entire career and what did you learn from it so again, this was something that I found quite difficult to, to identify because I was like, oh gosh, what have I really kind of messed up with? And I kind of came to, someone else brought this up to me and thought, oh, do you know, actually, that's that's a really good one. Um, I once was headhunted and I told my immediate line manager at the time um, that I wasn't happy and I was seriously considering taking this other offer and and, uh, and everything. And and she said I should leave. I was like, oh, okay. This is thanks for this. I, th I thought I was a valued member of staff, but but maybe I'm not. Um, and my biggest failure was was almost listening to her. I almost went and left, and I almost took that other opportunity and actually what I've learned from that was it just didn't feel right so I then spoke up it was it was actually during Indigo Swan days uh, so I spoke to James <laughs> our managing director um, and you know I learned that actually I could trust him you've got to work somewhere with best leadership you've got to work somewhere with a culture that you can really get on board with you've got to work somewhere that you know, implement change. So, you know, I was tempted by this opportunity because things weren't quite going the way I wanted them to here. So I mm -hmm. spoke to James, we implemented some change. Um, and ultimately, I just, I became really quite trusting of my own gut instincts because mm -hmm. I knew leaving was wouldn't be the solution to the problems I was facing. And by nearly being tempted, because my immediate manager just went, yeah, fine, off you go. Nice, nice to know you. <laughs> I was like, oh, um, cool. But I'm so glad that I, 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 I sat on it, I thought about it, and I, I spoke to James. And obviously, yes, yeah, seven years later, it's 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 been a fantastic time for me. Um, and yeah, so I would just say, be brave, trust your gut, and don't be afraid of implementing change if things aren't going right. Yeah. Good advice. <laughs> advice um if you ruled the world for a day amy what would you do easy peasy mandatory office dogs <laughs> i have got three dogs of my own uh jefferson dorison and mimi jefferson has appeared on many a video call with customers uh, including uh, lots of our mutual clients and um he pops up he has a wonderful time and i i love my dogs they are such good de-stressers they're such good um companions and i think everybody i think there's been studies to say that you know mood is improved when when dogs are in the office um and i think i could get everybody on board for it for a day you know for that one day if you've got an allergy you'll have to stay home i'm sorry but um <laughs> the rest of us will enjoy mandatory office dogs <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's something we have, isn't it, Brian, in these offices between Arthur and Murphy? Yeah. 
Yeah, so yeah, Crawford has a has a black lab, doesn't he? Yeah, Called Murphy, yeah. and um, and Arthur's a, Arthur's a miniature golden doodle. So oh, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not a to be fair, I'm not a dog fan at all, and and in fact, I, I never wanted a dog. I, I um, Sarah once suggested that we go out for the day um, to Carlisle. We appeared at this one near Carlisle. We appeared at this place, and I went, "We're not getting a dog." And <laughs> so it says, "Here's the one you've bought." And I'm like, <laughs> okay. Thank you for that. I wouldn't be without him. Um, so he's a mix between. He looks like t everyone thinks he's a a, a labra doodle or something, but yeah. they, you know that mix. They're all the same. But he's a he's he's a mix between a golden retriever and a poodle. But he's miniature. He's quite big. I see. He's been very well behaved because about, about five minutes ago he appeared with his ball and started throwing it around. <laughs> so he's now having another sleep. But yeah, and um, yeah, Murphy spends a bit more time in the office now when Crawfordson than than Arthur does. But yeah, yeah, it's always nice to have a dog in the office. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Not to be so sure our landlords agree. Right now, <laughs> no, we are we are in the basement and they are, they have they have the. Um, the 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 ground first and second. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get an email at some point about Arthur barking, whatever. <laughs> yeah. What, no what kind of dogs have you got, Amy? So Jefferson is a wire-haired Vizsla. He is a big ginger hairy nutcase. Um, <laughs> he is he is an absolute sweetheart though, and yeah, our, our lives have changed for the better for having him. He gets us out a lot lot more. Um, he gets us up to Scotland, um, he gets us training, he gets us doing agility, all sorts of things. So it's, that's been fantastic. And then Doris and Mimi are two <laughs> Pomeranian cross Dachshunds. So uh -huh. they you're are... Gonna, you're going to have to explain that. Well, so they are essentially... Well, Doris is a little fluff ball. She weighs four <laughs> and a half. She weighs four kilos, sorry. Oh, Jefferson's wow. about 28 kilos. Um, <laughs> And uh, Doris is about four kilos and she's all fluff. She's one of those dogs that if you get her wet, she looks about three times smaller than, <laughs> than when, her, when, her, when she's all hairy. And then Mimi is, uh, she looks more like a miniature Dachshund, but she's oh. the same mix of, of Dachshund and, and Pomeranian. But she only weighs three and a half kilos mm. and she is absolutely tiny, but ballsy as hell. And the pair of them run the house and Jefferson is so hard done by as the only boy my husband insisted we had a boy dog because he was starting to feel outnumbered um he's Jefferson's the only boy the little girls just bully him no end I feel terrible um but yeah it's an interesting and slightly odd dynamic <laughs> and these, these two little rat dogs and then a great big orange nut nutcase <laughs> cool that's nice <laughs> Um, so when you're 70 and look back at your life, what will you be glad you did or feel proud of? Either something you've done already or something that you still want to do. Yeah. So I'm currently 35. So I'm, I'm halfway through this uh, reflection period. Um, and I'm really proud of the adventures and the traveling that I've been able to do so far. So when I'm 70, I want to be able to look back and say, do you know what? I have visited some amazing places around the world. I've met some incredible people. I've had some um, outstanding experiences. Um, so I've already managed to tick off a, a few countries, um, some notable ones being Iceland. I spent a month camping in Iceland. Um, I've been to Cuba. I've been to Kenya. My husband and I spent three weeks in an RV in California. Um, I've climbed Ben Nevis, which is pretty cool. I'm trying yep. to add some more Munros to my to my Scotland list. I love coming up to Scotland. It's, it's just um, you know, a really special place for me. 
And in the next 35 years, I want to add to the list Costa Rica, New Zealand, the fjords, um, you know, and some sort of travel across Canada as well. I think that would be amazing. I, and I love the UK. I just love being able to travel, go to new places. Um, yeah, and, and, and I will be happy if I've been in a position where I can keep doing that for as long as I possibly can. Cool. Excellent. Sounds, sounds like fun. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's been interesting. The Iceland one was definitely interesting. It was something that I had the experience to do or the opportunity to do when I was about 17. And um, yeah. camping in Iceland, I mean, like proper wild camping, you had to to, to dig a hole uh, for, for doing your business and, and all sorts. Mm -hmm. And uh, it wow. was um, quite a challenge as a teenage yeah. girl. But uh, thankfully, I was with a great group of people um, and, you know, seeing glaciers um walking on the, the, the bottom of Hecla the volcano um you know camping literally where you know there is nobody else for potentially hundreds of miles around you um and we were there in in summer so it was also about 20 22 hours of daylight a day um oh, yeah. so it's just quite quite an odd surreal experience yeah. um but goodness me it's a stunning country and, and everyone should go if they can yeah. yeah, I do fancy Iceland. Yeah. Really, yeah. really good. Don't look at how much you spend on a packet of crisps because when <laughs> I was there, a packet of crisps was about eight pounds. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, you can you can get cheap bananas though because they grow bananas in greenhouses from their own geothermal springs. So wow. there you go. <laughs> Just, uh, anything imported though, that's nice. expensive. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh -huh. oh, good one. Cool. Thank you. That's all right. That's fabulous, Amy. Thanks very much for answering those. The the one at the beginning question there about the the um, the I'm, I'm thinking of kind of um, moving on, you know, kind of thing, and and, mm. and that response is just. I mean, leadership is something that's very very close to my heart because I don't think a lot of possibly the people that certainly early on in my career, I, I don't think I, um, I I experienced good leadership in, in, mm. in many in many ways. And so it's always, you know, uh, we were talking about this earlier on another podcast that we were doing um, in our um, in our kind of leadership um, podcast series. And, um, you know, uh, it's true. You work in your you 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 spend more time at work than you spend with your family almost yeah. because you're asleep for most of that time. You know that you're not in work, and so you you've got to make it an enjoyable place, and you've got Definitely. to you know these sort of things. And 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 I always say that um, you you should employ people who are better than you. you employ people mm -hmm. who who know how to do their job, and you know, and, and that you can trust to do it. So. Um, you know, to have a response to that is, I mean, it, it's very common though, and it's more yeah. common than I think, and it's just such a saying, oh, you don't, yeah. you don't want to be here? Okay, well, you can just go then, you know, I mean, yeah. it's absolutely ludicrous, you know, people, yeah. people, you should be helping people with their careers, not kind of being upset or annoyed or, 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 or feel threatened by the fact that they're doing well. You know? Yeah, so, definitely, definitely. I'm just so glad that, um, that as a, as a small company in Digo Swan, we have got 
such a fantastic MD now in James. Um, he really is. And I know that a lot of people listening to this will have met James and will think, oh, gosh, he can't be like that all the time. He can't really be that great to work for. And genuinely, guys, he he really is. And I wouldn't be the person I am today without his input. Um, mm. The company we have wouldn't be the company to work for without his input. And it doesn't mean everything goes swimmingly every day. Of course not. Mm. I mean, he's still human, but um, he really is. A, a different kind of person and without being that cliche he really is an inspirational leader and mm. um yeah i i think I, I have a huge amount of time and patience and respect for james um and and he's shown that back to me tenfold over the years so it's yeah. great he was he, he was very inspirational and and great to chat to in that mm. in that leadership series that we were doing so yeah, yeah. okay well that's great thanks very much for coming on thank and, you uh, well, we will hopefully, I don't know when you guys are back next back up in Scotland, but um, I don't know if there's a conference or a dinner or anything coming yes. up with, with Property Managers Association. <laughs> um, but hopefully if there is, we can we can get to see you again. Yes, we're planning on, on coming up if there is a conference this year. And if there isn't, we will still be up visiting lots of our mutual customers. I'm sure we can squeeze yeah. in a visit to you as well, yeah, Brian. Yeah, yeah. Good, sounds good. <laughs> okay, thanks very much for coming on. Thank yes. you ever so much. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye.